Hi there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Zemer Wang, medical director of Aviv Clinics Dubai. He's a certified family physician and hyperbaric physician. Dr. Wang is going to tell us all about hyperbaric oxygen therapy, which is his specialty, and how Aviv Clinics is using extensive daily doses applied in a specific manner over months at a time as part of a much larger program to help people either heal whatever ails them or reach optimal levels of health and fitness. Hi, welcome to the Live Healthy Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Okay, so this is really, really fascinating to be able to talk to someone who is a specialist in this field in the UAE. So how does hyperbaric oxygen therapy work? So again, in order to understand uh, what we do and how this actually has to do with what we do, let me tell you a little bit uh, through the aging process and gradually find our way into how we treat it. Um, so when we look at our, our bodies and how we age over the years, actually after the age of 30, we start slowly to degenerate. So we reach our peak physiology at 30, cognitively and physically. After that, when you go to medical school, you're very surprised that you hear that you don't build any more tissue. So no more muscles are built after that stage and you're actually slowly starting to degenerate. Now, when we are at 30, we have this level of reserves and slowly over the years, this is what's actually aging is about, is we're declining or the delta to our reserve is going down. And we deteriorate very slowly. We start to feel it somewhere in our mid forties usually, if we're healthy, non-smoker, active people, then usually at the age of 45 uh, to 50, we'll need eyeglasses to see, to read books. And we will see that, you know, once we train, it'll take us a little bit longer to recover. Uh, we'll see that it's harder for us to concentrate for long periods of time on tasks that we could do longer, much, uh, much easier. Like 10 years ago, you know, I could, people tell me I could sit through meetings all day, I wasn't tired, I was focused. And now it's much harder to focus. I start thinking about fishing after two hours of a, you know, of, of a sitting in, in a meeting. Or I have to start taking notes, which I didn't have to do before. So this, in essence, is aging. We also meet all the chronic diseases at this age period. So people start getting heart attacks, hypertension, type 2 diabetes, somewhere in their 40s and 50s. You usually don't get them in the 30s and 20s because they're so resilient at that age. So in a nutshell, this would be aging. Aging is the loss of our resilience uh, and our reserves. This is why when we're 70, having pneumonia is dangerous to our lives. Whereas when we're 30, we have a pneumonia, we take antibiotics, we miss three days of work and we're back there. And when we're 70, you could actually die from it. Why? Because our lung reserve 
is so diminished at that age. Um, so for us, this brings us a little bit to the topic of hyperbarics and what we actually do. Because the question is, what can we do to change it? Is aging a disease? So if you ask the FDA in the US, aging is not a disease, so you can't make any research about it. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the challenges that age researchers are facing. Um, so uh, let's go up, talk about opportunity to live longer, healthier. Okay. So we're not talking about actually increasing our life or years of life, but the, the being able to live healthy longer. So there's a health span and a lifespan. The lifespan is from the day we are born until the day we are we're dead. The health span is from the day we were born until we start to be so sick that we don't enjoy life anymore. And we're a liability to ourselves, to our family, to the systems. And it's a place nobody wants to be. And at the moment, they're like this. And our challenge would actually be to bring them together, you know, for us to live our life in full and in essence to die standing up or die young at a very old age. This is what we really want to be, to be doing. Okay. Uh, so we can look at aging as, as a treatable chronic disease, for example, like we treat diabetes or we treat a heart condition. Uh, there are some biomarkers, for example, for aging. So you can actually test how old you are, or see that you're aging on the cellular level. There's something we call telomeres, which are little caps that we have on our DNAs. And today it's, everybody talks about telomeres because short telomeres means you're old and longer telomeres mean that you're younger. Why? Because every time the cells replicate, the telomeres slowly become shorter over our lifespan. So one could advocate that if you get the telomeres longer, then you're actually reducing your cellular age. Same goes for something we call senescent cells. So senescent cells are old cells that live in our body and are not functional anymore. This is a second very uh, new biomarker for aging. So if we take somebody's blood and we count these senescent cells, and we can do that, these are cells that do not proliferate in a healthy manner, but they also don't go into plant cell death. So apoptosis is something that we call a plant cell death. A cell can either replicate or go into apoptosis. Now, if it doesn't do either, it just sits there like, excuse me, garbage, they're senescent cells. Now, what do these garbage cells actually do? So they can cause inflammation. They can be one of the triggers for chronic disease. And in the worst case, it can actually transform into cancer cells. So a reduction in senescent cells or a body that has a low level of senescent cells, again, would be a younger body than a body that, than a tissue that has more senescent cells. So far? Okay, good, good. So we know that you've explained about aging. Can you explain about hyperbaric oxygen therapy and how that works for simple aging? And I know it's not simple, but before we get into some of the other applications. Yeah, so, so aging is anything but simple, because if it was simple, we would be living for 300 years mm -hmm. uh, easily. And so it's, it's actually very challenging. And as I said, when we're 30, we're starting to degenerate. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is regenerate, mm -hmm. go the opposite direction. 
Now with hyperbaric oxygen and our full program that actually includes more than just the oxygen, it's a full program that has a cognitive training and physical training that augments this whole regenerative process. We are in essence trying to have the body heal itself or start to regenerate. And we're doing this on scientific basis that there are some triggers in the body that cause regeneration. For example, I think it's common knowledge that if you climb a mountain, you go to Everest, the base camps. Why do you need the base camps? Because you need to stay there for a few days in order for your, we know the red cells go up. What does that mean? That actually means we're regenerating red blood cells in order to cope with the hypoxia, which is the lower oxygen level that we have in high altitudes. And we know the body can do that. So hypoxia is one of the strongest regenerative drivers that we have in our body. But doing this on Everest has downfalls because the body is lacking on oxygen. So other things suffer. Okay, so one of the big scientific breakthroughs that happened in the past 15 years is while we understand that the body does not do absolutes, the body is not a gauge pressure, the body doesn't know it's hypoxic unless there is a change from what it's used to, to less oxygen. Okay, it's like being rich or poor based on what your neighbor has. So before, if your neighbor had two cows and you had one, you were poor and he was rich or you only had a chicken. Okay, but now if your neighbor has a Ferrari and you just have a Land Cruiser, you're poor. Again, so it's a relative, it's relativity. So the body, if we manage to get a body into thinking that a certain level of oxygen is its norm, then everything would distract from, subtract from it, excuse me, would be hypoxia. That makes sense? Yes. So now, now in comes hyperbaric oxygen. So what is hyperbaric oxygen? Hyperbaric oxygen therapy in essence is sitting inside a closed cylinder, which would look like an airplane cabin, because an airplane is actually a hyperbaric chamber that just compressed and, and travels. So ours stays in the clinic. And what we do is we elevate the pressure like you actually do in an airplane cabin, because we know in the airplane, when the cabin pressure goes down, the oxygen masks fall. This is what the stewardess tells us every time, because they compress the, the uh, their own chamber, which we call an inner. So in our oxygen chain, in our hyperbaric chamber, excuse me, we compress it to the level that is twice of the, of the pressure that we have at sea level. Okay. So sea level, we call the, the normal pressure that is around us. That surrounds us. Uh, when we do that, what happens is the molecules that are in gas, they just become closer. Does that make sense? Because they're compressed. We make it smaller. So that means that when we breathe in half a liter of gas, which is the normal lung volume, we would have double as many molecules or particles. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we take it, we compress it, and then we breathe. Now, we can only do this in the chamber because we need the ambient pressure to be compressed. Okay, if I just try to get compressed molecules, it won't have, it won't work. Okay, okay if I try to put them in, they'll, they'll, they'll become big again. Okay, so we need the whole environment to be compressed. So this is the hyperbaric chamber. Okay. So what we do in this chamber, now we're breathing oxygen in this hyperbaric environment. 
What does that mean? That means I'm taking a mask, like the ones that fall in the airplane, and I'm putting it on my face, and now I'm breathing 100% oxygen, but because the ambient pressure is twice as high as it would be at sea level, I have twice as many molecules of oxygen that are entering my body. So I cannot do this on sea level unless I'm compressing you in an oxygen in a hyperbaric chamber. Okay, yep. Okay, fair? Yes, very fair. Now, good. Now we do this every day for two hours. Okay, and the program is three months. After about uh, 20 sessions, I mean, after about a, a month, the body thinks of this, high level of oxygen as its new homeostasis. This is what it's used to now, because the body, like every uh, biological system is a bit lazy. It likes to take the easiest. Okay, if we could, we'd just sit back and have grapes fed into our mouth. Okay, because this is what our biology actually would expect from us. That's okay, that's good living. So this is what the body expects. Now, if we take it away, anything we do beneath that is hypoxia for the body. And this is stress. And this stress triggers the regenerative reaction. So what we actually do in the hyperbaric chamber is we breathe the oxygen for 20 minutes, take the mask off for five minutes, have a fluctuation, then put it back on again for 20 minutes and take it off again for five minutes. So we do this four times during these two hours. Mm -hmm. We do this fluctuation. And we call this the hyperbaric or hyperoxic hypoxic paradox. Because in essence, there is no hypoxia, but the body thinks that there is hypoxia. So what do we get from this? We get all the regenerative mediators that you would get on the Everest. We get them up. However, we don't get the bad influence of actually having too little oxygen. So everybody's happy. <laughs> is there okay, now, uh, maybe I'll just finish that train of thought so what does this regenerative uh, process generate so it, first of all it generates stem cells okay. now, stem cells is the catchphrase today everybody wants stem cells and they, people inject stem cells and have uh, stem cells you know at birth from the cord and they keep them in a freezer for if they're needed later in life but here we actually have a method where the body generates its own stem cells just by doing a very simple process of this hyperoxic hypoxic paradox. Okay. So you said it's a three-month program that you do. First of all, is there any benefit from just one, like what happens to your body if you just do one session? And, you know, there's a lot of places or more places now offering you know, one session, come in for one session and go. So I'm sort of wondering, I, I have tried one session and I actually had a headache and then I uh, felt better when I left. I didn't have a headache anymore and I felt rested, but they were saying it mimics sleep, hours and hours of sleep. So I'm just wondering sort of what's the one-off experience and then the, the compounded experience. So oxygen is a very strong drug. So even giving it once could have acute effects like taking a pill. So with, for example, with headaches, if you're thinking of a headache as a process where the blood vessels in your brain grow a little bit too big, and this is what, we're one of the theories of what would generate a headache. So oxygen is a strong vasoconstrictor. 
And that would mean that it will help you with that on that day for that time, right. but not for tomorrow, not for the other. So yes, there are some things that we use oxygen uh, or hyperbaric oxygen therapy for an acute system. So the most common knowledge would be diving accidents. So a diver comes in with decompression sickness, of course, he gets one treatment. If he comes in early enough and it's not severe, too severe, he'll be walking out as if nothing happened after one session. So you can treat something with one session, but we're talking about a regenerative process. It takes about a month until the body actually understands that we want something from it. And then we keep these balls in the air, so to say, for another two months, because we've shown scientifically that this is the minimal time to get the maximum effect. Now we know that after you finish the treatment for the next one to three months, you still have a lot of regenerative processes happening. Mm. So we keep pushing you on the neurocognitive and the physical side, which is something that we can discuss in a moment, which is something we do throughout the program. But in order to build this and then have lasting effects, you need the three months. Okay, okay. Um, we're hearing a lot about dementia and I've seen a lot online about people using this for dementia prevention. Um, now the FDA says that's an unfounded claim. And so I wanted to ask you about that part, but also is the dementia prevention wrapped up in everything else you're doing with your three month program? How, how, is it, how does that tie in? So we can start by asking what is dementia or who actually knows what dementia is. So we know the clinical side of dementia, what it looks like. And we call it dementia. It's like saying somebody has brown eyes or blonde hair. This is because they, they're forgetful and they, they deteriorate slowly. Now we know we have different kinds of dementia. And probably the most common dementia is what we call vascular dementia. That is some microstrokes that are happening in our brains throughout our life. And eventually the cumulative effect is changing our perception of memory and attention and these different things that eventually add up to being dementia. There are also diseases like Alzheimer's, Levy body dementia, and different kinds of dementia that are, sub are another subset that we would, cannot discuss at this stage. Uh, vascular dementia is something that we target because what we do is we treat the microcirculation. And if we look at vascular dementia as a microcirculation problem, what does that mean? It means there are tiny strokes and tiny blood vessels, tiny strokes over the years, start somewhere in your 40s and 50s. We actually see them in high resolution MRIs like ours. So we call them the white spots. And if you look at a healthy 30-year-old brain, there's nothing there. And as a healthy 70-year-old brain, health, healthy, you'll see a lot of white spots, even if they're cognitively fully intact. So with the cumulative effect of these tiny brain infarcts are what starts the dementia process and vascular dementia. What we do is part of what we treat and what happens in our protocol, and it's the same 60 session protocol. We improve resilience in tissue. This would be the general term. How do we do that? First of all, we improve the microcirculation. So the hyperbaric chamber has been known for 40 years to cause blood, a, a small uh, blood vessel growth. So microvascular angiogenesis. So we've known that since the 70s and the 80s when we treated wounds, so non-healing wounds, why do they heal? Because we get better oxygenation through the creation of new blood vessels. But this happens all over. 
happens in your brain, happens in your heart, happens in your kidneys, happens in your skin. So we improve the resilience. So actually, if you're looking at somebody who's starting very early to lose some of the memory or forget the keys or you know, call somebody and not remember why they were calling, but then remembers a few seconds later. So these are the early signs of dementia. If we put them into the program, we might actually reverse that. We call this mild cognitive impairment. So the, the studies that are emerging now, not only with us, but also around the globe, are showing that you can, if you target it early, you can even treat it. If you target it earlier, we hope that we can prevent it. Okay. Now we've been doing this protocol for 10 years. So we need to follow the people up a little bit longer to actually tell you that you know, in 20 or 30 years, we have prevented their decline in dementia. But so far, we've seen very good results, especially an improvement of these mild cognitive cases. Are there large scale clinical studies into this kind of therapy happening? Well, in hyperbaric medicine, it's always hard to find large scale clinical studies because there's no pharma that is financing them. So you have centers that are not as big doing a lot of clinical work. There's amazing clinical work happening on different venues. I think that our group in Israel is probably the most robust in terms of uh, quality and quantity that has come with this direction of, of uh, research with dementia or with uh, age-related cognitive decline. Um, but the quality of uh, papers is good and the body of evidence is growing and is growing every year. Okay. Now, were people coming to you also for this long COVID? You know, I've had, um, I have still chest, I had COVID in January. I still have chest problems. I would say I still have sort of brain fog and memory issues that are worse definitely since then. Are people coming to you and using this therapy for help with that? So at the moment, long COVID is starting to be recognized as a real medical condition. So the WHO has already recognized it. So if you've had two or three months of symptom after, after finishing uh, your COVID infection and you still have brain fog, uh, shortness of breath, energy decline, and it's recognized as, as a syndrome, which is what we call long COVID. Uh, nobody really knows what it's about at the moment. So the therapies are not very uh, precise. So you can, there's more and more clinics that do no long COVID assessments, uh, not so much telling you what to do after you've been assessed. And also the assessment is pretty limited. We've actually started at our clinic, since we have the infrastructure to do a very robust long COVID assessment. That also includes a neurocognitive assessment. So we can actually assess you and see if you actually have objectively a brain fog or cognitive changes okay, that were not there before. And it's easy because we know what the norms should be. And then we can see uh, based on your level of education, age and gender, where you should be and, and how you vary from there. Uh, we have a very detailed MRI protocol. So we can see in, in, in great detail the anatomy of the brain because one of the um, ideas that we have around long COVID is that COVID is causing, again, microstrokes in the brain, it's going into the brain and causing some damage to it. So this damage can sometimes be seen okay, in the MRI. Um, we do a smell and, and taste uh, uh, study. 
So there is a, it takes an hour, it's pretty, uh, it takes some time. It's very, it's an interesting uh, experience to go through. You have these, uh, like the markers and you have to, uh, you have to smell them. Then you have to smell, taste different kinds of things. And then we can actually objectively tell you if you have a problem with your level of taste, your taste discrimination, if, uh, smell and all these things. And on the physical side, we do a physical assessment. We have a very strong uh, physical performance team that do some uh, general physical tests, like see how much you can sit and stand from a chair in 30 seconds, walk for 10 meters. But also we have a cardiopulmonary exercise machine that actually shows us how well you consume oxygen while you're doing exercise. It's basically what we do with athletes in order to train them better or to see how fit they are. So this is part of our long COVID assessment. And after we go, you go through this assessment, we can actually give you feedback. Do you have long COVID? And then comes the question, what do we do? So literature at the moment is very sparse. There is not a lot. We have some case reports. We've actually published a case report from our clinic uh, with a person that came in after COVID. He actually ended up having long COVID, but we didn't know that what long COVID is a year ago. So he was part of actually our healthy aging executives. He came in as an executive uh, with a group of, of the C-suite of one of the big companies here in, uh, in the UAE. But you know, when we talked to him, he just had COVID a few months back and he's still not back to his norm. And he's a very strong uh, athlete, guy in his 50s, but also an engineer. And he felt that he's not back to where he was supposed to be. And after one month of treatment, he reached his baseline. And we actually, and this is something we could scientifically evaluate. So we did the assessments again, and we saw that he was, in the beginning, he was below where he was supposed to be, below the norm, and also his expected results, which was supposed to be very good because he was a very strong individual. After four weeks, we saw that he reached his norm. And after we finished the program, he was actually better than he was before COVID. Oh, good. Was, was, so, uh, was hyperbaric therapy part of what he did? Yeah, yeah this was yeah. this was the three the three months program, and we actually published this report. Nice. So, um, yeah. The you mentioned some other you mentioned the other parts of your program outside of the oxygen therapy. What other things would you be doing to sort of so, treat aging? So when you come into the program, you start with a very robust three day assessment period. Uh, what we do in these three days, in the beginning, in the first day, we take blood, blood samples that we send to a special lab, and then we can actually test for the telomere length and the senescent cells that I talked about before. So we can actually compare them before and after the treatment and see if you have an elongation in your telomeres and a reduction in your senescent cells. And I will keep the suspense up, and I will tell you at the end what our results are in relation to that. Uh, here in Dubai. Then uh, we do a very detailed physician intake. So, you know, we, the physician sits with a client for about an hour, sometimes an hour and a half, which doesn't happen very often uh, in normal life. Take a very detailed uh, medical history, but also a very detailed physical old school examination and neurological examination. I have to tell you, we actually found some things here with people who you would expect that would get the best care in the world. And we had to postpone their treatment in order to get these things under control. Mm -hmm. 
And I would say that we even saved a life or two in the one year that we've been operational. With healthy people coming in with no medical conditions. Really? So it is, it is surprising, um, but it is also true. So this is, this is what happens when you have time for your patients. One of the sicknesses of medicine today is that we don't have time. And in Aviv, you can sit with the clients, the physicians have their time, they can sit, discuss, and examine. And this is the first part. Then we do a, a physical assessment with a, a physical performance team. Again, the things I discussed before. So we test for strength, we test for the whole body condition, we do the uh, cardiopulmonary exercise test, and we see actually how fit you are and also how agile you are. We have a very high-end uh, machine that tests for your gait, gait analysis. Now, testing your gait tells us a lot about who you are physically, not only how you walk. You can see the center of gravity, your balance. If you walk in the way that even if you're feeling well now, in 10 years, you'll have a chronic back condition, for example, mm. or pain in your shoulder, or even headaches from the way you walk. So these are things that we assess. Then there's the whole neurocognitive side. So you come in, you meet the neuropsychologist, you have an interview with a neuropsychologist and do some testing with her on, uh, on a pen and paper exam. But then you also sit through a computerized battery of examinations for an hour and a half where you have to do cognitive testing. And what does that mean? It tests your memory, it tests your, the way that your attention is working how your high cognitive functions are what are called executive function, how you plan to do something. We can test your fine motor skills and all these things build a level of data about you that we can then explore. We do a MRI in our own machine that we have here, which is the highest, highest level of MRI in the UAE. Uh, we have our own software that can then show us very different things in MRI that you cannot see in other places. I'll give you an example. First of all, the anatomy, of course, to see that there's nothing bad happening in your brain, God forbid. So we just put that aside like a physical examination. Then we do the brain perfusion MRI that actually shows us how well uh, your, oxy your oxygen or your blood is utilized inside your brain. So we can see the different areas of your brain and see if you're getting oxygen or blood into the right places. But then we do something that is very novel. It's called a call DTI, diffuser tensor imaging. And this actually tells us inside your brain how the information is moved. Mm. It's, called, it's called tractography. There are tracts of information in your brain. Because everything we do, every time I'm doing this with my hands now, it's a very complex movement for my brain. It's not only moving my hands. No, it's also reacting to how you smile. It's, you know, it takes into consideration that there's no wind in the room that it needs to compensate. And it's Dubai, so there's no tiger sitting next to me waiting to chuck my hand off. So all these things are actually happening when I'm doing this. And this happens because the brain moves information inside. And these are these tracks, these information tracks. We also know that when I think that I need to move the foot, they go down to our spine and give information to the feet, to the hands, and get information back. Okay. So with modern science of MRI, we can actually assess these tracts that are like highways of information. And we can see before and after the treatment how they've changed. And there we can show that their directionality is improving, but also their size and their robustness. What actually is a measure that you're having new uh, neurons and eugenesis. You're actually improving 
your brain tissue. And this, when I went to medical school, we were taught that this is not happening, this is not possible. But now we know that it actually is. And here we can actually show it. And the nice thing is you can show it to the patients, you can show it to the clients before and after, and actually show them that their brain not only functions better on the testing and the functional testing, but you can actually show them why on the imaging part. So this in essence, we also do a very detailed uh, uh, dietitian review. So we have a dietitian, we do the body composition, everybody gets a very specific tailored diet program for themselves. Everybody gets a Garmin watch. And we also monitor how you sleep with this watch, how many steps you went to, and also it's also with, with your training. So these are the three assessment days. After we've got all this data together, and it's quite a bunch of data, uh, we take a few days and we sit together as a team and we analyze the data together. And then you're invited and we do a PowerPoint presentation where we show, we show you your results. You have the physician sitting you for another hour and we just explain what actually happened here in these three days. And we show you where you are, where you should be, what we found out. And at the end, we can actually tell you based on scientific uh, examination, what this program can do for you. And then you can decide, do you wanna come and do the full program? Or, you know, you wanna wait and come and get retested next year and see if there is a decline. This is the three, this is the three analysis. Then you go into the program. What happens in the program? These same, same people are monitoring you throughout the program. Every day you come in five days a week, you come to, you go into the hyperbaric chamber. Well, while you're inside the chamber, you have a tablet computer and there you're trained on a neurocognitive training uh, platform. What is that? It looks like video games, but they're very specific targeting areas in your brain that need improvement. So if in our testing, we saw that you're starting to, uh, to lose attention and you are a little bit low on your short-term memory and your visual memory is a little bit declining and the neuropsychologist will prescribe you training exercises that will work on these parts of your brain. That means that while you're oxygenating, breathing oxygen, You'll be working on the parts of your brain that actually needs the oxygen the most. Then when you start to proliferate the stem cells, they will also start being targeting these areas that you're training inside the chain. This is what happens while you're inside. Then two to three times a week when you finish, we have some more work for you to do. So we do some work with a physiotherapy team uh, and we do something we call dual tasking. Dual tasking is in essence walking on a treadmill or drive our, our bike and doing some cognitive exercise while you're doing the other thing. So walking or riding a bike takes some cognitive uh, or some brain power from you and also some cardiovascular power. So your body is doing something and it's concentrating. But then you get it to do to cognitive tasking, it's much harder than you think. It's like walking and talking on the phone. Sometimes you don't know why, or you almost walk into a car because you're not really paying attention. Something that would never happen if you weren't on the phone. So this is dual tasking. And this we, we do, and this we can improve. And the dual tasking performance just improves every time. Every time you do it right, it becomes faster. Okay. When you're slow, it goes down. Okay. So you have some, you must have some very high-end clients, and I feel like this is probably quite expensive. 
for people to, to take this program. Can you give us an idea of what the pricing is and how you really have to dedicate your life to it too. So I'm curious about those two things. Like if you're busy working, so the, the cost and that's the time commitment. I agree. It's an expensive, it's an expensive program, but I do not discuss pricing, not with clients and not with anybody else. Okay. So I cannot disclose this also on this platform, but I think that the most, expensive things that we actually take from our clients is their time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this is for us the sacred earth in a way so we don't want them to wait a minute that they don't need to wait inside the clinic because every minute they're here is valuable to them and, and to us even more so yes they need to make a huge commitment they cannot travel for three months they need to come here every day for two sometimes three hours it's a big commitment to make However, when you ask them after three months, they say, was well, ooh, that went by so fast. So it's a big commitment to make from the starting end. At the end point, they're just, they're amazed that it's already done and what do I do tomorrow morning? Mm -hmm. Now we have two kinds of clients coming in for, for the aging process. One is the, the younger cohort of people who are young and working and very effective individuals in terms of business and management. So they usually come in very early. So we have a suite that starts at seven o'clock in the morning. They're done by nine. They're at work at 9.30, 10. And if you ask them, it did not impact the work in any way, even if they used to start working at seven before. They actually said, I got some very interesting insights from the clean, you know, it did not do anything. I did not do anything worse at work, even better actually, taking this time off. So actually I'm going to use this time every morning and go training. And just have some me time and then, you know, come to work, keep coming to work at 9.30. And you have the older population that are actually already in a good place in life. They don't work so hard. They can come wherever is comfortable for them. So they can come in the morning, they can come in the afternoon. Okay. And we try to accommodate for them. Okay. And this is going to be inaccessible to a lot of people. And I'm seeing a lot of people are using like home. There's now home uh, sort of makeshift chambers that people make. What do you, what's your take as, a, as an expert on those? That it is very dangerous and people have died and probably will die in the future. So the home plastic uh, portable chambers were actually made for mountain sickness and they're supposed to be taken up a mountain because then you can put a little bit of pressure in them and then you can prevent them or, or treat mountain uh, sickness. And that's what they're made for. Now, if you start putting oxygen in them and putting more pressure in them, uh, the risk is that will catch on fire and that you will harm yourself. People have died in these. So, and, and, and in essence, you cannot reach the treatment pressures that we're treating anyway. So you're, you're just harming yourself without getting any positive on the other side. Okay. And is there so, anyone that doesn't... Is there anyone this doesn't work for? When you ask doesn't as in? Is there anyone that shouldn't, shouldn't be using hyperbaric oxygen chamber that ha might, uh, it might not work well for them if they have certain health conditions? Yes, of course, like any medicine. Okay? There are some contraindications. Yeah. Now hyperbaric oxygen, they're very minimal but we need to take everybody's health into consideration. This is actually why we do this extensive uh, physical evaluation before we start. So first of all, people who have lung conditions, 
the changing in pressure can actually harm them. So people who have smoked for many years and have air trapping in their lungs, they will not be able to be part of the program because we're afraid that we could damage their lungs. Okay. Some very severe heart conditions could have a problem, but they're really the rarity of the rarity. So most people can actually go through this process, uh, which is very safe, and we make sure that they're safe throughout. Every day when they come in, we check their blood pressure, we check their temperature, we check in on them, we ask them how they're feeling. And only if everything is good, they can go to the gym. Okay. Well, it sounds like people are in very good hands when they come to your clinic. It's, thank you for walking me through the whole process, and uh, I'll keep it in mind, you know? <laughs> If I can remember. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, well, I just have one answer that I promised to give you about the telomere length and the senescence cells. Oh, okay. To, co- to take us back to the answer for what happens. Okay. Exactly. I thought you were more intrigued. I, didn't I was. Suspense I forgot. I forgot. I need to come for therapy. <laughs> you probably do. So. Uh, after we finish the program, we do the same assessments like we did in the beginning. Yep. So we do a uh, three-day assessment program again. We do the MRI and all the tests again, and we take bloods again. And what we're looking at is to see the before and after with the telomere. And what we've seen here is just amazing results. We've seen people that have elongated their telomere length by 50, 100, and even 150%, which wow. is unheard of. It's unheard of. And senescence cell reduction is also something that we see. So people have a decline in their senescence cells, and that's not only based on research, these actually are live results of live treating people here in Dubai. So the things that have been shown in research have been replicated here in a very robust manner. So we're very happy with that. Well, that is very interesting. I'm just not, we can. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me that you hadn't told me that yet. <laughs> I appreciate You're your time. Welcome. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.